Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, yea, Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the Lord God who fights our battles for us. This morning I'm going to be talking to you and preaching to you about our battle with the devil. And there's a lot to say about this, but the good news is that while we must arm ourselves and equip ourselves for battle, it is God who fights for us. Amen? Amen. A call to worship this morning reminds us of this. It's going to be the 91st psalm, and listen to what the psalm says about this topic of the Lord fighting for us and protecting us. Hear now God's Word. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side. 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague shall come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him, because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let us pray. Our Father God, we thank you that your word is true, and it tells us that you are our rock, our refuge. It tells us that you will protect us, Lord, while there's battle going on all around us, flaming arrows being fired by the evil one directly at us. 
Lord, it would be terrifying if it were up to us to defend ourselves. But we have your promise that you are the one who protects us, that we are covered under the shelter of your wings. And so we thank you. I pray, Lord, that you would let us leave here today being more firmly reminded, believing more confidently that while we must equip ourselves for battle, that it is you who fights for us. And so we are assured of victory in Christ Jesus, our King. And we pray in his name. Amen. You just heard it in Ephesians chapter 6. It's verses 10 and 11. God's word says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Let us pray. Father, we thank You for Your kindness to us. Thank You for Your Word, which we know to be true because You have written it and You have given it to us. Your Son, Jesus Christ, is the true living Word of God. I thank You, Father, that Your Word reminds us that You are almighty, all-powerful, omnipotent, and that we need not fear of the thousands around us, the ten thousands falling at our side, because you will not let evil befall us. And so I pray now, Father, that you would speak through me by your Holy Spirit, that I would bring to the saints of Foundation Church the word that you have for them today, as our brother Mark has done in Myanmar just a few hours ago. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, last week you got the singing sermon. That's not going to happen this week. I can't sing, and I got a cold, so there's two good reasons why I'm not even going to try it. <laughs> I, uh, I was watching last night on YouTube, just so you know how spiritual I am, I was watching some Fernando Ortego hymnody and uh, some other beautiful things before I went to bed. I will confess, just so you know, I'm not that spiritual. I was also showing some of my older children a couple of clips from Groundhog Day. <laughs> Just being honest, you know. In 1655, in England, a Puritan pastor named William Gurnall... How many have heard of William Gurnall? William Gurnall wrote a book called The Christian in Complete Armor. Brought a visual. John Newton said of this book... John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace, the converted slave trader, John Newton said, if I might read only one book beside the Bible, it would be The Christian in Complete Armor. Now, if that's not a good enough endorsement for you, Charles Spurgeon, my favorite preacher, the Prince of Preachers, said that more of his sermons were inspired by this book than any other uninspired book, any other book beside the Bible, this is the book that inspired Charles Spurgeon's sermons. J.C. Ryle said every Christian ought to read this. And so I wonder when I heard about this book two weeks ago, why have I never heard of this book? So obviously I bought the book. 27 years after Gurnall wrote that book, uh, John Bunyan, after having written Pilgrim's Progress, wrote a story that he considered to be a better story than Pilgrim's Progress. And that story was called The Holy War. It was the story of 
Diabolus, the character is an allegory, Diabolus the devil, waging war against King Shaddai, and the city, and the name of the city was called Mansoul. And I read this with my children last year. These books that were written almost 400 years ago were written to focus our attention on one important fact, that as followers of Christ, we are at war. The holy war. The holy war is the war of Satan launching attacks upon the people of God, the people of the city of man's soul. <clears throat> Have you ever experienced these um, unusual uh, emotions that come about, like all of a sudden you just feel angry at someone, maybe even a brother or sister in Christ, someone in the church, or maybe someone in your family? It just seems to kind of come out of nowhere, and you feel like you just this person is irritating you, and you think, I know this is wrong. Why am I feeling this way? And you can't shake it? I mean, don't raise your hand. Don't point to anybody for sure. Don't raise your hand. It's a rhetorical question. Or have you ever felt like you wanted to get revenge on somebody that did you wrong? You know you should forbear. You know you should forgive. But there's this thing in your heart that you just can't shake that's like, I just want to get them. I have. And you say, Lord, I know it's wrong, and you want to put it aside, but you just it's nagging at you. Or maybe you have thoughts that come into your head, and you think, why am I thinking this? This is a horrible thing to think. And it keeps coming back into your mind. You think, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be thinking these things. Or maybe it's just a weariness that the life of being a follower of Christ, and the temptations, and the battles, and the struggles, and plus you're educating your children at home, and all these it just feels so weary and you feel like, I can't do this. I'm not just tired. I am weary. I am fatigued to the point where I, I just don't feel like I can go on. Anybody ever experience things like this? Well, sometimes it may just be a sense of life being difficult, but in many cases, these may be attacks of the devil. Now, if you're like me, when you hear that, uh, when we were at the Elders' Summit in Illinois two weeks ago, our brother Kevin Swanson taught us about this, and our brother Phil Kaiser taught us about this. And I confess, when I hear these things, I kind of I cringe a little bit. Spiritual warfare, attacks of the devil. And I think, it's kind of weird, it's kind of scary. You know, even as Christians, to me it just seems a little bit like I don't know what to do with it. Anybody there with me? When you hear about spiritual warfare... And you might ask, well, how do we know when these things happen if it's just my own sinful nature manifesting itself or if it's an attack of the devil? I don't know. There's, people have ideas of how you can tell, but I would say for our purposes it really doesn't matter that much because the way that we need to respond is pretty much the same. So I would say if that question arises, well, how do we know, put that question aside for a minute and let's just talk about what's happening when we're in this battle. The fact is that ever since Adam ate that fruit about 6,000 years ago, and ever since Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, ever since that happened, ever since Satan rebelled, there's been this war going on. And it hasn't stopped for thousands of years. I preached a few months ago, you may remember, on the victorious church, on the trajectory of Christ's church. And I told you that when Christ came, He bound the strong man. You remember that passage in the Gospel 
where Christ said, you can't take the strong man's goods until you bind the strong man. And he was explaining to them, Satan is the strong man, but I've come now. The kingdom of God is here, and Satan has been bound. Remember that? What does the Bible say? It says Satan has been bound so that he might deceive the nations no longer. In other words, after Christ came and rose from the dead, the gospel was shown in its fuller clarity, and the gospel can spread, and it has been spreading for 2,000 years. It's spreading this week in Myanmar. Amen? So that's what we mean when we say Satan is bound. What we don't mean, and I made it clear then and I'll repeat it now, what we don't mean is Satan has, that he's completely bound. That he can't do anything to us. Satan can tempt us and he can accuse us. That hasn't changed. He's much weakened, he is bound, and that he cannot stop the spread of the gospel. But be not mistaken, Satan still roams about like a lion, seeking whom he may devour, and he will and does continue to tempt us and to accuse us. So we're in a battle. And I want to encourage you, adults and young people, don't get confident. As a Christian, we ought to have confidence, but we ought not to rush into this battle with this confidence when we're completely ill-equipped and unarmed. That just isn't wise. To go, you know, we talk about this, so people might ask you, why don't you send your children to the government schools? You know, they could be salt and light there. And if you're like me, one of the things I say is, I need to arm my children and equip them. That is a battlefield. And I'm not going to send my children there unarmed and ill-equipped. It's dangerous. It's foolish. So Satan is still crafty. He's still scheming. And until Christ comes back, Satan is going to continue to pester us continually. It's not going to end. We must commit to fight every day. And here's, here's the first bit of difficult news. There are no vacations from this. You say, well, that sounds pretty wearying. It is wearying. There's no vacation from the spiritual battle. It's a war, and the war is going to rage till Christ comes back. No breaks. Now, here's the good news. I'm not a military guy. I never served in the military, so you know, I can't stand here and pretend like I know how to be a general. But I read the Bible, and I do hear this good news for the troops. In most battles, when, when armies go out to fight, the general can do the strategy, and he can motivate the troops, but it's kind of on the troops to go get the job done, right? In our battle, it's not that way. If it was up to us to go and fight the spiritual battle it would be pretty discouraging. In fact, it would be hopeless. Agreed? The good news is that God goes and fights our battle for us. This is one of those things in the Christian life that it's, it's not an either or, it's both. Because I'm going to talk to you about why we should equip ourselves, why we should arm ourselves. And it's not my idea. Paul said, put on the full armor of God so that you may stand against the devil and his schemes. So we must know how to equip ourselves. We must know how to arm ourselves for battle. That's a, that's a truth in the Bible. And yet the Bible also teaches it's not up to us to win the battle. It's up to us to fight. But the battle is going to be won by God himself. That's good news, isn't it? So take that point. That's one thing I want you to walk away with for sure. The outcome of the battle rests on God's performance, not our own. The second thing I want to share with you is that God knows that we're weak. You think, well, if I'm supposed to arm myself, I don't know if I'm up for this. Exactly. You're not up for it. 
God knows our frame is weak. He knows that we're given to temptations. He knows that we're like cracked pitchers. He fills us up. You ever feel like you get filled up spiritually, but you can just feel it leaking out like immediately? You're not the only one. God knows that. He's all wise. When Christ ascended to the Father, He didn't leave us here like, well, I was there for a while, but now they're on their own. He immediately sent the Holy Spirit and He is in heaven interceding for us, praying for us right now so that we can win this battle. He has not left us. That's another bit of good news as we talk about the spiritual battle. J.C. Ryle, this pastor that I mentioned uh, earlier in his book, Thoughts for Young Men, which is a great book. I'm reading that with my sons right now. He says this, and it applies to this area of spiritual warfare. He says, The path to heaven is always narrow. There are difficulties, but God will give you the grace to overcome them. God is no hard master. He will not, like Pharaoh, require you to make bricks without straw. He will make sure that the path He requires us to walk is never an impossible road. Okay, so he's, he's not sending us out to do something we can't do. I would encourage us, maybe you're on the opposite end of the spectrum where you're a little bit confident maybe, a little too confident. And you think, you know, I think this is something that homeschool parents, not all of you are homeschool parents, most of you are, and some of you are homeschool children. And sometimes homeschool parents get the idea, I'm kind of smarter than the average bear. I figured this out. That's a bad deal. I've got a better way. And in fact, you know, so as, you, as your kids get older and you have some experience, sometimes we kind of start thinking, I know some stuff now. I mean, I can handle some battles. And in fact, sometimes people even, homeschool parents even come to me and ask me for, you know, for counsel. I mean, not officially, but I mean, I'm, I got some, you know, this thing. I think most of us are wise enough and old, mature enough in the Lord that we catch ourselves, but that does kind of well up in us a little bit. Once you get a few children, you go, I'm not just a parent. I'm a homeschool parent. In fact, I'm a kind of counseling homeschool parent. Watch out. If you approach spiritual warfare with that kind of confidence, Satan is, gonna, Satan is watching us and he studies us for our weaknesses and he goes, oh, here's one that looks pretty confident. Who has more practice in this warfare, you or Satan? He studies us. He watches us. You know, the picture that comes to my mind is Barney Fife. You know, Andy Taylor, remember the time Andy Taylor, Sheriff Taylor, left town and put Barney in charge? And when he came back, you know, Barney's like, he's got the whole town arrested. Opie's in jail, Aunt B's in jail for jaywalking. And Andy's like, don't leave Barney Fife in charge. You know, he gets a little overconfident in his abilities to... Uh, you know, to manage things. So stay humble. When God uses you, I bet we could all raise our hand if I said, has God ever used you in spiritual warfare? You think Pastor Robinette is being used? You think Nevaeh Foise and Steve and Sarah Goldsmith are being used? You think Nathaniel, the, beard, the new bearded Robinette, and Benjamin and Elizabeth and Rebecca, you think they're being used by God in a mighty way? No question they are. But when that happens, be careful. It should strengthen our faith, but we should also say, this isn't my strength. This is borrowed strength. The Lord gave me strength to do this. This isn't me. He's the one fighting the battle. 
I'm willing to go. I'm willing to fight, but I can't win it. He's the one that's going to win it. Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. What does that phrase mean, the strength of His might? It means that God is almighty. He's omnipotent. He's expecting us to lean on Him. How do we do that? We need to remember His past record. Remember Psalm 78 teaches us this. Remember the mighty works of God that He's done so we can tell them to our children. And our children can tell them to their children so that they will put their hope in God. That's what Psalm 78, that's what Asaph is telling us. So we need to remember what God has done. We need to not be like Zacharias. Remember Elizabeth and Zacharias? When we read the birth narrative of Jesus, we also read about Zacharias, the high priest. He's in the temple, and what happens? The angel Gabriel comes to him. Who comes to him? The angel Gabriel. That was weak. Who comes to him? The angel Gabriel comes to him and says, your wife is going to bear a son. And he tells him all these great things about his son. And what does Zacharias say? Yeah, I don't know, but I don't know if I'm buying this. He said, how can this be? I'm advanced in age. My wife is advanced in years. And what does Gabriel say? Because you did not believe, you're not going to be able to speak until this boy is born. I am the angel Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I've come and brought this message to you and you don't believe it. So we can't be like that. When we go into spiritual warfare, God has given us promises. He says, if you go and fight, we're going to win. We have to believe that God is all-powerful. It's not like Satan is pretty strong and God is pretty strong. I wonder who's going to win. There's no wondering. Satan's head was crushed by Christ when Christ rose from the dead. And he's bound. He's still tempting. He's still accusing. But make no mistake, God will win the battle. So how do we know we have God's power? His son purchased, his son's blood purchased it for us. Amen? Christ wouldn't come die on the cross for us and then go, well, that's done, but now you're on your own to fight the battle. I'm going back to the Father. That's not what happened. God keeps His covenant forever. He is obligated because He's given us a promise and His character is such that He must keep His promises. And as I said earlier, He is interceding with us for the Father, with the Father. He won't forget us for a moment. Wouldn't you worry being sent out into battle? You go charging out there and then you think, where's my captain? My captain has left us. Uh, when we study the war between the states and we read about Stonewall Jackson, everybody know the story of Stonewall Jackson? He was this incredible leader, a godly man who led his troops into battle and would pray and all the young men were inspired by him. And he got shot. And he was killed. And they took his body and carried it off the battlefield. How do you think his troops felt? It's a very discouraging moment for the troops. That's not going to happen to us, right? Our leader is not going to get knocked out of the battle. We don't have to fear that like we do in regular human warfare. Okay, so let me give you a couple kind of specific bullet points to think about. I'm a bullet point guy, okay? So when... When do we need to apprehend God's power? When do we need to grab on to this power? When we're weighed down by sin. If you're burdened by sin. When you're overpowered by temptation. These temptations come that you can't seem to shake. When we're oppressed by Christian duty. Like Jonah. Remember he said God wanted him to do something difficult. And he said, I, I don't want to do this. I suspect that there's some spiritual warfare going on right now in Myanmar with the people we sent from our church. 
and the other people on that team, the Clarks and the Murphys and the Hines. Satan hates the fact that they're over there preaching the Gospel, bringing people to Christ. You think he wants to do anything about it? I guarantee he does. So sometimes Christian duty, it's not that you're sinning, it's that you're doing the right thing and you think, why do I feel so oppressed? Why do I feel Satan's hand on me? Because he hates what you're doing. So how do we appropriate God's power? By wearing the armor that God made because it's perfectly suited for us. Right? This isn't just any old thing where you go to the rack and you go, oh, I guess I can throw this on. God gives us armor that he made specifically for us so that we can fight this battle. And each piece has a special function. I'm not going to spend a lot of time going through these. I'll mention them kind of briefly. And I'm going to go to Ephesians 6, which Jeff read for us earlier. But even in 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter gives us things that I would say are part of our armor. He says, add to your faith virtue. So we need faith. We need virtue. He said, add to virtue, knowledge. Add to knowledge, temperance. Add to temperance, patience. Do you ever need patience when you're fighting spiritual battle? To patience, add godliness and brotherly kindness. Being kind to the other folks, the other brothers and sisters in Christ. And then charity, kindness to unbelievers. And then, of course, in Ephesians 6, Paul gives us this imagery. And I... You know, a lot of people make a lot of trying to dissect exactly why is righteousness a breastplate and not a shield. And I think some of that's a little bit overdone. The point Paul's trying to make is God gives us the things we need to accomplish this battle. We need the breastplate of righteousness. Strive to live a blameless life. Are you going to live a blameless life? No. But we should strive for it. We should strive to be holy. God says, you shall be holy as I am holy. The gospel of peace, that message of our reconciliation to God should give us confidence and peace as we go out into the battle. The shield of faith that repels, what does it say, the, the flaming arrows or the fiery darts of the evil one. It's not just the, the sharpness and the penetration of the, the darts that are coming at us, it's that they're fiery, they need to be quenched. One translation says to quench the fiery darts. The sword of the Spirit. And Paul reminds us the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. That's our offensive weapon, right? That's what we use to attack the devil with. When Christ was tempted in the wilderness, what did He do? Satan tempted Him three times, and every time Jesus said, it is written. And He attacked, He fought back with the sword of the Spirit. And then our helmet of salvation, so our heads are protected when we're elevated by that hope of salvation as we look to heaven. So what's the proper use of the armor? The first and most obvious thing I would tell you is, put it on. The Bible is full of this imagery of of clothing and apparel. Put on the righteousness of Christ. Remember in Colossians we read, but now ye also put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, filthy communication out of your mouth, blasphemy. Remember that? And he says, put on therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind. Remember that? Put off these things and put on these things. So Paul again gives us these word pictures. It's not a souvenir. We go, oh yeah, all these things are nice. And it, you know, we write scriptures and we put them on the wall. You have to do these things. We have to put them on. And there's no taking them off till we die. 
Satan likes to, to launch his attacks when we're not paying attention. I mean, remember when you read stories and the good guy gets captured and then his friends are going to go try to rescue him? What do they do? They're waiting to see when the guards are going to what? Fall asleep. So do you think Satan watches us? He does watch us. And he's, he knows that we might hear a good sermon or listen to our favorite Christian song and be roused for battle a little bit, but then he knows that we tend to, to get tired sometimes and fall asleep, let our defenses down, take off the armor maybe. Can never take it off. Remember when Christ was about to be crucified, he's in the garden. What did he tell his disciples? He said, all I want you to do is stay awake. Just stay awake and pray. And he came back, and what were they doing? They're out. He wakes them up. I need you. Stay awake. He's sweating. He's literally sweating blood. He's so terrified. He comes back, and they're asleep again. So they failed him. But did he abandon them? No. So we must stay awake. Will we fall asleep? Will we get caught napping sometimes by Satan? We probably will. But be on guard. Paul tells us, uh, I think it's 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul says that we are not wholly ignorant of Satan's designs. He's assuming that we're, we have some knowledge as followers of Christ. We should be aware of what Satan's doing. He's waiting for us to fall asleep. He's waiting to catch us napping. And the other thing is, help our fellow brethren when they're weak. You see someone else falling asleep? You see someone else weary? Take your shield. Take your sword and go defend them. Go fight for them. Satan is very clever. I said earlier he does really two things. He tempts us and he accuses us. So let me talk to us just briefly about these two. Here's when he tempts us. He tempts us when we're alone. You ever notice, when that team's together, there's 15 of them over there. There's strength in numbers. To be somewhere by yourself when you're alone, spiritually, or to just be alone physically when you're the only one there, you don't feel quite as strong, do you? So watch out when you're alone. Watch out when you're enduring a great affliction. Sometimes when you're enduring affliction and you feel God has left you, that's when Satan's watching. He's like, now's the time I can nail him. Now's the time I can shoot that fiery dart at him. Because they're wondering where God is. I can see it in their faces. So when we're enduring affliction, we have to be on guard. The third thing is when we're on a noble errand for God's glory. We should be praying fervently for our friends and our loved ones who are in Myanmar because they are on a noble errand for God's glory. Amen? So we need to be praying for them. We know God will protect them, but we still need to pray because Satan is going to be after them. And the last one I would say is just after one of those incredible manifestations of God's love, when God does something incredible in your family and you're like, God is good. You want, He is good all the time. You know, and you're doing this thing. Watch out. It should strengthen our faith, but it should also, we should have our guard up and be like, don't party too much. You don't party too much when you're in battle. Right? Be careful. Satan comes disguised as a friend sometimes. Someone that seems like they're going to help you and all of a sudden you're hearing things that don't make sense. Sometimes he comes modestly. He asks for just a little bit. Remember the old camel poking his nose in the tent and then his head's in the tent and before you know it, the camel's in the tent and you're out sleeping in the sand? That's how Satan does. He'll come real modestly and just ask for a little bit of sin. No big deal. 
He's very, very crafty. Sometimes he tempts us by retreating. We win a battle and Satan backs off, right? Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Is that true? That is true. But when he flees, we don't want to be like, it's over. You can celebrate the win. We watched War Room last night. Anybody seen that movie? Where the old lady says, Satan, you just got your butt kicked. That's okay to celebrate and go, yes. He said, my God is good. My God is mighty. Yes. But don't let your guard down. The, the war is not over. That battle may be won. But don't let your guard down. So here's a prescription for our protection. Ask God for counsel. Ask Him. He wants us to ask. Know your heart. Satan is studying your heart. Satan knows where your weak points are. He knows what your temptations are, what you desire. So you should know that. Know, I know for me, I'm impatient. When I want something and it's not happening, I get impatient. And that's when I start doubting. Why isn't God answering my prayer? Satan knows that about me. So I need to know that about me. So when I'm feeling impatient and wondering why God isn't acting, I need to go, Satan's going to lie to me here. He's going to tell me God doesn't love me. He's going to tell me God's forgotten me. That's a lie. I know that about me. I'm impatient. So know, know your own heart in the sense not like the goodness and joy in your heart. Know where sin tends to beset you in your heart and Satan's going to come wanting to attack you there. This is an obvious one. Read God's Word. That will arm you against any temptation. Here's J.C. Ryle. A quick glance at the Bible, he says, a quick glance at the Bible now and then does little good. Don't raise your hand on this one. How many of you, if I said, how often do you read God's Word, you go, a quick glance now and then. J.C. Ryle says, a quick glance at the Bible now and then does little good. Listen to this. At that rate, you will never become familiar with its treasures or feel the sword of the Spirit fitted to your hand in the hour of conflict. When the hour of conflict comes, do you want to have the sword of the Spirit fitted to your hand? It's not going to happen if you don't know God's Word. And of course, we have to pray and ask. This will sound maybe simple, but when you pray, I would encourage you to verbalize it. Pray out loud. If you need to go in your prayer closet or outside or somewhere, and you think, well, God knows my thoughts. Yes, He does. I find it helpful to verbalize and say, God, you know what I'm thinking. You know what I want. You know what I need. Here's what I think I need. Lord, I'm praying you would give this to me. And I try to do this with my children. Lord, this is what we need. And we're saying it. We're speaking it to you. Do you remember Kevin Swanson reminded us of the story of Bartimaeus? You young people, who can tell me what was wrong with Bartimaeus? Say it loud. He was blind. So Bartimaeus is blind. He spent his whole life begging because he's blind. And then he hears that Jesus is coming. And he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And all the crowd says, be quiet, blind guy. And he cries out even louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, hold on, bring the man to me. And then the most curious part of the story, what does Jesus say to Bartimaeus? He says, what do you want me to do for you? I don't know what the Greek word for duh is, but Bartimaeus had to be thinking, 
Is this a trick question? What do you want me to do for you? Jesus wanted him to verbalize it. When you're in battle with the devil, say it. God, I feel like Satan is on me about this. Come to my rescue. You are my rock and my refuge. You've promised that you would protect me under the shelter of your wings. I need your protection. Speak God's word to him. Verbalize what you want. You go, well, isn't it obvious? Yeah. But you still should say it and verbalize it. So be like Bartimaeus. So that's how Satan tempts us. Here's a few ideas on how he accuses us. There's a lot to this, isn't it? This is serious business. He puts thoughts in our mind and makes us believe they're ours. I've had people email me and call me and just say, this is the craziest thing. I've never thought this before, but this thought popped into my head and it's a terrible thought. Where did this come from? That could have come from Satan and he makes you think that you thought it yourself. He delivers accusations and makes us think it's from the Holy Spirit. Alright, so how should we react when Satan accuses us? Be careful to keep your slate clean. Am I saying live, live a perfect life? None of us can do that. But be wary of sin. Sin is not funny. Little sins are not okay. Be humble. Admit that many of his accusations are true. When Satan accuses us, how many have read Pilgrim's Progress? Do you remember when a Christian is battling, I think it was Apollyon, this horrible evil monster, and Apollyon accuses him and says, aren't you guilty of this, this, and this? And what does Christian say? Yeah, in fact, I've done a lot more stuff than that. You could make a lot longer list than that. So don't get defensive. Be humble and say, yeah, those accusations are true. But guess what? Christ is my paymaster. Don't talk to me about it, Satan. This has already been taken care of. Remember what Christ did to you at the cross? And point him back to Christ. Don't try to defend yourself. Just say, guilty is charged, and a whole lot more. But Christ has already taken care of this. Paid in full. Avoid entrapments. And here's a few entrapments. Um, circumstances that we can't understand. A lot of us have been there in the last few years. Things happen and you go, why in the world is this happening to me? This makes no, nothing good can come of this. When that happens, it could be an entrapment. Satan accusing you. Maintain your assurance of salvation. Go back to the scriptures. What does the Bible say? When Christ has called you and he has adopted you, nothing can take you out of his hand. And if Satan's going to lie to you and go, you might not even be a Christian. And say, that's not what God's word says. I don't deserve to be a Christian, but I am one because of what Christ did on the cross for me. And here's what God's word says. Here's a really big one. A big entrapment is keeping our temptations a secret. When you're tempted and you're wrestling with something, sometimes you think, this is so embarrassing. I would never tell anybody about this. That is a lie from the devil. Go to a Christian brother or sister. Go to an elder. Go to your spouse and say, I've got to tell you, what's, I feel awful about this, but this is what's happening. Please pray for me. When you share your burden with other people, they can pray for you and you have protection. All right, I'm wrapping up. <clears throat> Paul says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. 
Paul assures us that when we are fitly armed, we will be able to stand. Why? Satan has this curse on him. You remember at the fall? Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 3. It's an irrevocable curse. God told Satan, you are cursed. You're going to be on your belly. You're going to eat the dust. That is a curse that cannot be reversed. And so God will allow Satan to be used to to purge us and to warn us about future sins, to promote the work of grace in our hearts, to equip us to help other suffering saints. Since I lost Kirsten, the Lord has given me many opportunities to, to try to talk to other people who are in similar situations. And they go, I just don't get, this cannot be happening. And I say, it is happening. I've been through this and I can come along beside them. I don't have all the answers, but I can at least say, don't give in to Satan here. Don't get bitter. Trust in God. God is good. Uh, I may have shared this story, this story with some of you, but one of the songs that I quoted in my book is a song called Always Good. And it was a story about, uh, that was based on a woman having given birth to a baby. Everyone rejoiced. And then unexpectedly, within an hour or two, the mother died. Completely unforeseen. And, of course, everyone rushes to the hospital and the, the husband there, the father of the dead child, is weeping and just saying, always good, always good, always good. God is always good. We need people like that to come and remind us and say, don't let Satan get his foot in the door here. This is a time when he would love to have you doubting. Don't let him do it. God is always good. Don't let your guard down. So when you go through that and the Lord strengthens you, He might use you to equip others to be stronger and refine our faith. I want to close with a quote reminding you that the battle is really not between the church and Satan. The battle is between Christ and Satan. And the quote is from Pilgrim's Progress. There was a scene when they were approaching this building. There was some kind of an inn that was there for the weary travelers. And... Christian saw lions. Do you remember? There were lions there. And, and he had already heard stories of, um, I think it was uh, Timorous and who else? Mistrust, I think. Timorous and Mistrust had gone and seen the lions and they had retreated. They said, you can't go past there. There's lions over there. Remember that? So it says, I saw in my dream that he made haste and went forward that if possible, he might get lodging there. Christian wants to get lodging there. Now, before he had gone far, he entered into a very narrow passage, which was about a furlong off the porter's lodge. And looking very narrowly before him as he went, he spied two lions in the way. Now, he thought, I see the dangers that mistrust and timorous were driven back by. The lions were chained, but he saw not the chains. Then he was afraid and thought also himself to go back after them, for he thought that nothing but death was before him. But the porter at the lodge, whose name is Watchful, perceiving that Christian made a halt as if he would go back, cried unto him, saying, Is your strength so small? Remember Christ in the boat, the disciples, We're going to die! We're going to die! And Christ said, Where is your faith? Is your faith so small? So this is what the porter said to him. Is your strength so small? Fear not the lions, for they are chained and are placed there 
for the trial of faith where it is, and for discovery of those that have none. Keep in the midst of the path, and no hurt shall come unto thee. Then I saw that he went on, trembling for fear of the lions, but taking good heed to the directions of the porter. He heard them roar, but they did him no harm. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word that has given us promises. Lord, it could be a crippling, fearful thing to know that Satan himself is studying us, watching us, waiting for us to be caught napping, to be caught with our guard down, to take off our armor, to aim his fiery darts at us, that they would pierce us and burn us and destroy us. But Lord, may we not have fear. May we remember that that line has been chained. Yes, he's there taunting. Yes, he's there tempting. Yes, he's there accusing. But he cannot come near us, as the 91st Psalm reminded us. We are protected under the shelter of your wings. Give us courage to put on the armor, to keep on the armor that you have fitted specifically for us. And may we not fear. May we go boldly, knowing that our God has won the battle at the cross and that every battle we fight is one that we can know that our Heavenly Father is with us, covering us, sheltering us, protecting us, giving us victory. Thank you, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.